Hey everyone, it's Laura Dern here. As you know, COVID-19 is a severe lung infection that attacks the lungs and could cause lasting damage. Hey oh, Max and Nick in the morning here. <laughs> Whoo, that was Dern PSA. Sure was. If you believe the the COVID talk. I mean, yeah, I don't know about this pandemic, but pandemic. Oh, that's I was, I stopped by an estate sale in my hometown and there were two people talking and he, he referred to Hillary Clinton as Killary in a sentence smoothly in a way that let me, let me know that that is the only thing he refers to her as. Oh, see, I'm a shillery guy. Meaning that she is a shill or. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, but like, she's not a shill cause she's on top. Are you saying only bottoms can be shills? Only bottoms can be shills. And that's a t-shirt right there. I'll write that down. Scribble, scribble, scribble. I don't know if you could hear that scribbling. I have a new mic now, so things are improving over here. Everyone, the, the live chat's coming in. They're, they're really going nuts about this audio quality. I'm also outside, so I have some good, like, diegetic sound going on. We don't know what that means here. I'm gonna, I act, it's in my notes to talk about it later, but... I'm- I went to film school, Max. This, I don't know this is mean. not a Dianetics podcast. That is that, two different things. This is not Star Wars. This is... <laughs> this is... What is this? This is a little podcast called Dern After Reading. Um, we are trying to watch every movie Laura Dern has ever been in. Also, Pretty much anything she's ever done, we're dealing with right here on this podcast. We're not quite halfway through. And uh, we took a week or two off so we could totally not um, clone our two hosts because they both died of COVID-19. That's yeah, we true. Were... It was actually my estate sale that Nick was at. <laughs> yes, you were wearing a Trump hat and yelling about the government. It no, was... I died. That, oh, that was my died. brother. Oh, you do have a brother. Wait, yeah. Brother? I say Shillery, he says Killery, yeah. Yeah, you're like those... Ma- oh. Max and Rax. Did you hear the two very famous conjoined twins died this week? Both of them? I, I mean, yeah, that's usually part of the deal. What was famous about them? Um, I mean, they just, I think they were the oldest living ones ever, maybe? Wait, I, I have their name right here in my notes. I'm totally not Googling it right now. We're, we're already Googling? We're, uh... Yeah, we are. I think it was, oh, it's Ronnie and Donnie Gallion. Jeff Coat. Galleon? Galleon, yes. Cool. Like the ship. Oh, my uncles. I never, I don't think of them as conjoined. They're just my uncle. <laughs> but yeah, you know. So we're alive. We're here. We're. See uh, what they do. They always stand at the doorway to a room. So you never see them both at the same time. It, and so it, it depends which room you're in. You get Ronnie or Donnie. Actually, it's, um. They, in their kitchen, they have one of those islands with like a little pillar on each side and they always stand right so the pillar, it splits them and you just think they're both like leaning from the same spot. Oh, you know them too. But actually they have the same legs. Yeah, I did some uh, pro bono video work for them once. Oh, what'd they do? Um, I, I don't think I can talk. They made me sign a non-disclosure agreement. Nick, they've passed away. It was, it was pretty pornographic. I don't want to talk ill of the dead. It's <laughs> fair. Let me just say it involved marshmallows and bee holes. Anyway. Bee holes like, uh, like where a bee would fly into? Yeah. Like, I, like, yeah, like that's what, the side of a building under some shingles. I think it's less explanation if I don't go any further into it. 
<laughs> that is what less explanation means, yes. But uh, just just a little little thing if you're wondering. You either have to freeze or have very stale marshmallows for them to go into any um, any hole. That makes it, yeah, and then do you, I won't ask. I mean, yeah, this, <laughs> this is a we've, weird We've covered there. butt fluids enough on this podcast. Yeah, and it's I been don't... a while since we talked. How are your um, cocoa butter suppositories doing? I'm running low. Tough times. Gonna have to order a bulk. A yeah, pallet. but, you know, shipments are taking longer. They are. Stocks are running out. Whew. It's in, in my panic room. I just have... <laughs> Dozens of boxes of suppositories. Panic room is also your butt room. Yeah. It's multi-purpose. It does <laughs> the job. <sighs> okay, so um, you want to you wanna get this ship rolling? Sure. Well, it's your turn to do a big durn. So what was, what was your big durn this week? Nick, it's been, it's been a rocky few durns for me. It has been. I'd say there was, I was flipping through my notes and what do we have? Okay. So baby dance. That was the last good one with Stockyard. Baby yeah, dance. JT Leroy, which oh. where she played one of many insufferable characters. <laughs> we had within these walls, the, the ladies prison dog movie. I was looking through her filmography today for something, and I saw the cover for that, which I don't think I noticed before. And it's like her in the nun costume with a golden retriever, and she's like kissing its nose <laughs> and it's like on its back legs. Really yep. good. That's all you need to know about that movie. That's it. Don't even And watch now, uh, a derivative piece of absolute trash called Cold Pursuit. Now, this film is from 2018. Yeah, it was uh, written by uh, Truman Capote, right? <laughs> in, no, that's In Cold Pursuit. Oh, I always mix those up. Sorry. <laughs> this, what would Truman Capote have liked about this movie? Well, he was a famous lush and homosexual, so. Yeah, I mean, there's some, some hot dudes. A lot of dudes in general. A lot of dudes. Um, some of them better looking than others, and nearly all of them end up comically dead. Oh no, that's not good. Yeah. So, okay, Cold Pursuit stars Liam Neeson. And like we could just end it there. I mean, yeah. Okay, your turn. It's a Liam Neeson movie. So it's a Liam Neeson movie called Cold Pursuit. Does it involve like a train that's maybe carrying like frozen meat or something? You, not that cool. Not that oh, cool. Though it does involve a cold vehicle because Liam Neeson is a, uh, it's like middle of nowhere. It's like Alaska, Colorado is where this movie takes place. Okay. Like brutal winter snow everywhere middle of nowhere and he drives um like a snow plow truck but like a super snow plow truck like uh, like, like snow piercer but so a truck like, and not anti-capitalist so, so this is basically like just like a realistic working class snow piercer no, there, there's oh. <laughs> realism I, goes out the window very quickly. Uh, I, this, I love that you're in this explanation of it. Snowpiercer is the more realistic film. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But he drives like this mega plow truck, 
which is sort of cool. And it goes through like, there's so much snow on the ground and he like cuts a road through the snow and that's his job. I mean, that is the, that is famously what snow plows do for a living. But like the snow is, 20 feet tall so he's oh. like almost boring a tunnel into the snow but it's not a tunnel it's just one section of road so wait which state did you say this was in again colorado okay i for some reason i thought you said a more southern like desert area state and i was like what no 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 yeah this is colorado like and he so at the beginning of the movie he is being awarded citizen of the year by his little ski resort town uh, Mr. because Plow apparently he is just he is just absolute aces at driving in a straight line man <laughs> and he really makes he keeps the town going you know if we ever do bonus patreon episodes you really need to tell your jimmy story for the public because that reminded oh, me of that yeah, that'll be a three-parter. I did. I don't want you to do it now because it is an hour-long story. Yep. But you I know. shared this entire story with Nick about the time I almost died four times in a day in a blizzard in Wyoming. It is. Mu- I'd much rather share that story oh, than this one. I, I think you also talked about um, how you helped contribute to the death of queer icon Matthew Shepard. Um, no, it was merely in follow, <laughs> nearly died in the same place. No, no, I think you were there. I think you helped, actually. Is this Proud Boy Revenge? This is Proud Boy Revenge. <laughs> is, this, is this one of your, your sick fantasies, I'm going, I'm going to make this trend on Twitter. God is my witness. <laughs> that did not happen. This and is many years later. I am neither but... a Proud Boy nor Max helped can perpetrate a famous hate crime the one thing matthew shepherd and i would categorically agree on is that laramie wyoming is a god-awful place filled <laughs> with terrible people gay or straight you shouldn't go don't go uh if you do go i, I know a cabbie who can give you a discount <laughs> but i digress before i even begin snowpiercer liam neeson and like he's just a gruff mean like he's just a gruff liam neeson and then naturally because it's a Liam Neeson movie he needs to he needs some reason to go murder everybody so this reason is his son dies of a quote unquote heroin overdose and he okay. and his dear wife played by Ms Laura Dern whoa power couple <laughs> it is right it, oh man the good movie they could do <laughs> We'll never Honestly, know. Imagine the kids those two would make. Ooh, they'd probably be tall. Very tall what and if very he's not handsome. Tall? They would. would they'd say be beautiful, but handsome. Handsome. She is a handsome lady. They they would make very Abraham Lincoln adjacent children. That's accurate. Yes. <laughs> uh, so their kid dies, says it was a heroin overdose. They do not believe that to be the case because their son was a good boy. And then Laura Dern leaves because she's grieving and he like doesn't grieve. And that's it. Bye, Dern. This relationship is no longer relevant to this movie because now it's taken six. And that's it. So thanks for showing up, Dern. I'm glad you made me watch this. Thanks for showing up, Dern. I'm glad you made me watch this. Got some weird, weird feedback there? 
Yeah, I'm gonna move inside. I think my computer might be. We're gonna pause. And we're back from the that magic pause. of Hollywood editing. Thank you. See now, <laughs> listeners, you might be saying, "Wait, you could just simply pause and unpause your recording." Perhaps you should do that when you take the time to Google things you didn't research. And that's not how this works. Yes, but as I am going back in our back catalog and re-editing new sound things into all the old episodes, I am going to slowly begin cutting out Max's presence on this show. (laughs) Just every day, Nick cuts out a sentence of mine from each episode. Yes, I'm slowly, the winners write the history, and right now I'm the winner. Um, so, (laughs) this awful movie. (laughs) Oh, yes, I thought it maybe it got better while we were not talking. No, no, it did not. So, Dern's gone forever. None of that is at all relevant. Like, they set up, like, she's grieving. Are they handling their kid's death the right way? Doesn't matter. Not a part of any of the rest of the plot. And he, so now... Nels, Nels Coxman is our, is our um, Liam Neeson character. So he sets off on a Neeson-esque quest to find out what happened to his son and murder 35 people or so. And so instantly, what works about like Taken or maybe John Wick, which has some of the, the humor action that this kind of goes for, the big murderous set pieces, is that like in both those cases, those are like FBI agents, trained killers, very talented career, just gods among men in, in this field. Mm-hmm. Again, Liam Neeson drives a truck. <laughs> In a straight line. It's the only thing he does. And yet, he suddenly is like a fucking KGB agent. Just taking no prisoners. So like, so like he never, he wasn't like an ex-Navy SEAL. He's just like, he grew up in this small town and he's a truck driver and that's it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, we have no reason to believe that this man should have any of these skills. Like, he might own a gun. He might do some hunting, because it's yeah. rural Colorado. But that's the long and short of it. And yet, he's just able to just go one, one by one up the ladder of the Denver drug cartel responsible for his son's death. And so, well, we we don't quite know that just yet, but he learns from someone who works with him, who worked with his son, who's about to kill himself out of guilt at the death of of this young man. He Liam Neeson stumbles upon him in this moment, and he's like, it wasn't supposed to happen that way. He's like, what do you mean? (laughs) He's like, yeah, he didn't kill himself. He didn't overdose. Like, it was these bad guys. And he's like, give me a name. And he's like, all right, some guy named Speedo. That's all I know. Great. Um, And for our Patreon listeners, Nick will (laughs) give off a a photo collection and a personalized video greeting in his Tom Selleck Speedo, which I got to experience up close and personal. 
on the beaches of Delaware not long ago. Beat it out of your hand like a petting zoo animal. (laughs) So Speedo is our our bad guy. So wait, one second. I I don't know why, but I I just thought about the movie Point Break. And as you might know, um, half of the cast of goons in the movie is played by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I thought about the fact that any of them could have been named Speedo and it would have made perfect sense. Yeah, well... Mainly Flea, though. We're we're just getting started. Oh, man. We got some more fun names coming. (laughs) Fuck. Uh, (laughs) Speedo is... So he finds Speedo in, like, a club and he's Mr. VIP. And Liam Neeson's Mr. Truck Driver who just walks into, like fancy euro trash club in denver i guess and speedo <laughs> has platinum blonde hair Love that's it. shaped like an iron it's <laughs> like he has like an iron on top of his head it's this weird triangular vertical kind of thing and like a dark beard it's ridiculous it's terrible and then he basically follows Speedo into an elevator and then suddenly they're in like a maintenance room somehow. Like that's just where Speedo is going. One of those famous maintenance room elevators. Of the club. (laughs) And so Liam Neeson beats the shit out of him. Perfect. After Speedo pulls a gun on him. He's like, you're going to die like your son. And then Liam Neeson starts sucking his dick. Liam like Neeson earn. sucks Speedo's dick he, to get another name. He's trying to get in deep. He's like, I'm not, I'm not a bad guy. I'm here to suck your dick. And he does. And then he like gets the gun. And he's like, ha ha. Anyway, that was my fantasy. Go on. That's, that's basically what happens. I just imagine him like in the elevator violently going down on a guy that looks like skinny guy Fieri. Yeah, that's a fair take. Except like flatter up top. Okay, less, fair enough. Spiky. Hey, man, everybody has a flat day. So, so Liam Neeson just manages to kill this drug. We don't know if he's a kingpin yet, just this guy on the chain um, in a matter of seconds <laughs> with, with his own two hands, despite this man having a gun. And he gets a name from him, Limbo. <laughs> the next guy on our list. And kills Speedo. R.I.P. Speedo. Now, every time someone dies, we get Liam Neeson takes them to a snowy cliff and just, he like has their body bundled up and just throws them into like a, an icy river. And we Great. get, then we get like a, a title card type thing on the screen that says, it has like a little cross symbol and it just says Speedo. Like, I hate, okay. Well, that feels like such did. a weird, like grab at Quentin Tarantino directing style. Yeah, it's what this this movie wants to be very funny, and huh. it isn't. And that's that's one of there is one moment where that becomes funny, um, is, but is it like, doesn't make up for the fifty times it isn't. At the end, is there just like a beaver dam full of corpses downriver? There is, and we don't get to see it because oh, this movie isn't good. That would be so much better. That would be funny. Yeah. Right? This movie is, I would file it under a very poor man's Boondock Saints, which 
If you've seen Boondock Saints and you are no longer a 15-year-old white boy, <laughs> um, you would recognize as really not a good film at all. It's and, not well, Nick, you're young. You might still like Boondock Saints. Hey, no, no, I've actually kind of cool. It's uh, it feels to... important and amazing until you like watch it. I'm also nearly 10 years out for being a 15-year-old white boy, so nearly 10 years almost out. Almost there. Our little spring chicken. That's me. Um, so it's it's it wants to be that. It wants to be clever. It wants to be funny. Oh, the the opening. I forgot the quote that it opens with. Uh, it opens with a, an Oscar Wilde quote on the screen. It's some cause happiness wherever they go, others whenever they go. Uh, Which is it. a very funny Oscar Wilde quip. It's great. It's a funny man. He was a very funny man. Ghost wrote this movie. And that has <laughs> nothing at all to do. I only remember that reading my notes. I was like, why, why was that quote in there? That has nothing to do with anything at all. But it's the movie trying to feel like clever. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it's a Liam Neeson action movie, but we put an Oscar Wilde quote up front. Um in fact, one one review, if you reviewed reviewed this movie, if you're part of the reason this managed to get a 69% on Rotten Tomatoes, quit your job. Uh, don't be a movie reviewer. Hit yourself in the head. No more and, and since I haven't said it about anyone in a while, get coronavirus. You can't say that, Max. I can. One of our four remaining listeners is... You didn't watch the movie, Nick. You know what? You're right. I have a primal rage matched only by Liam Neeson's in this film. Uh, But one reviewer noted that it holds a sophisticated streak. And there's nothing sophisticated about this movie. You don't get to be sophisticated by, like, shoving a non-sequitur Oscar Wilde quote in. It's useless. So... (sighs) <sighs> who's next limbo 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 so we don't yet know what type of movie this is going to be but the guy we thought might be the bad guy dies instantly at no effort <laughs> and limbo is now the next guy on the list so now liam neeson shows up at guess what limbo does for a living limbo does he work at a party supply rental store surprisingly close i will interrogate you no further um limbo works at a bridal shop that was pretty close yeah event based you one-time use you don't typically rent them because that's not how guys like limbo make their money (laughs) even though they're apparently in the drug game they also run a bridal shop (laughs) and so liam neeson walks into this bridal shop in the middle of the day and no one's there because I guess no one's getting married in bumfuck Colorado. In the middle of feet of snow. <laughs> yes. And Limbo's just the guy who runs it. And then he pulls a gun on Liam Neeson. Oh no. And Liam Neeson kills him. Oh no. And like there's blood and it's on wedding dresses and it's oh. supposed to be like a really cool thing. And I guess this is just my critique with so many bad movies we do here. None of it earned. Who the fuck was Limbo? He came and went. 
Liam Neeson's ability to do this, none of it earned. Um, his feeling towards his son, we don't, right? He's just like a, a quiet sort of gruff trucker man. We didn't know his, we didn't, we don't meet the son. He's just, he's just the guy who dies there's no setup for any of this. And then it's just like, yeah, flashy death, Liam dead, cross next to him, throw him in the icy river. And to take a little pull from the notable series, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, you know whoever owned that shop definitely just had the dresses dry cleaned and then sold them anyway. Is, is that scary? <laughs> I, don't... I, I mean, okay, we're off track a little bit, something we never do. There's a story, I think, in the first book, and it's called The White Dress, I think. All of these facts might be wrong, but they're close. And a girl buys a secondhand dress for a dance, and she dies at the dance, and they find out that the dress was taken off of a corpse by an undertaker and resold, and it had formaldehyde in it, and when she sweat, it, like, seeped into her pores and she died. Oh, so it was like a real tech. It wasn't a ghost. It was just no, your classic case of formaldehyde poisoning. Fun fact: the entire collection of stories in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is act. They're all collected like folklore things that the writer, like um, what would you call him, curator, put together. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them are like you know, like local legends, European, Massachusetts, America, so yeah, on. Yeah, the girl with the green ribbon around her neck. Don't take that ribbon off. Her head's going to fall off. ICP choker tattoo. (laughs) I was at, okay, one more diversion. I was at my local flea market today and, or yesterday rather. And there's a guy there that sells decals. And you could imagine what kind of decals he has. Like, you know, Calvin pissing on a Eagles logo. Hillary. Hillary, yes. He had a lot of like pro cop, pro firefighter, pro EMT, pro any profession basically. And there was one, oh, what was it? What were we just talking? Oh, there was an ICP, like, hatchet man. There was an ICP hatchet girl. And then there's one where they're, like, kissing. Aww. <laughs> they're, like, facing each other and kissing. And I was like, aw, you're going to get your kids taken away. But that's cute. Aw, they're just dorks. I don't know. They're a dork culture. I think in my they're area, so there's a very specific overlap of ICP fans and, like, bad people. <laughs> I, I was gonna say drug addicts but i don't want to conflate drug addicts with just people that are bad people like sure deep down in the soul like they would kick a cat like that kind of person but they do seem fun no and yeah I'm, I'm just pure speculation i imagine if you stumbled <laughs> into like a, a field where icp folk are are just doing what they do they'd probably welcome you and just like give you drugs like shitty drugs yeah um but they'd they'd be friendly and they'd be right they wouldn't be looking after their children in the moment but it'd be a really fun time and you'd know you're getting close to the field because your feet would start sticking to the ground from all of the residual fago that's running down the hillside no fago that's just like a soda that's... oh yeah it's just a really shitty like chicago-based soda brand i know maybe detroit i forget but I, I think that's kind of cool, right? If your subculture is going to be known largely by, like, liking a shitty flavored soda. That'd be like if Steely do it. Fans only drank Moxie and, like, they brought it to the concerts. And <laughs> right, <that>. exactly. <laughs> anyway, so Speedo's dead, wedding dresses. Speedo's dead, wedding dresses. We get 
So then we get, so now it cuts to like characters we don't know. One super, one like rich asshole leader who we presume to be the drug kingpin. Mm -hmm. We later learn he is. Uh, His name is Viking. Love that. And he's just like a bad dad. Oh no. And here where we get some of like the only somewhat funny moments here. He's like, he's super like palatial, modern kind of home. His kids got like a driver to school. He's just rolling in it. There are bodyguards everywhere. And his son's being bullied at school. And so his dad picks up a copy of Lord of the Flies. Oh no. And hands it to his like eight year old son. And he was like, Son, all the answers you'll ever need are in this book, which is like a funny way to introduce someone's worldview. So that's just, that's, that's basically like sliding a book across the table and saying, kill the fat kid, son. Yeah. Yeah. Love kill, that. kill the fatty. That sounds like pretty good parenting to me. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see, we'll, we'll see how that ends up. Sure. It doesn't end well. Well, we don't. And like kid getting bullied. Not resolved. Oh my god, wait. Imagine if Liam Neeson killed the father and then the son like pulls a gun on him and Liam Neeson looks him in the eyes and says, normally I would never kill a kid, but for you I'll make an exception and then just, that'd be crazy. Right? It would be in line with the rest of this movie. I'm sorry. And like you're fairly close. We'll get there. Oh, what? <laughs> so the only other, the one laugh out loud moment. Yeah. Uh, did you watch The Wire? I've seen some pretty long clips, but I've, I have not watched the I've entire seen series. some pretty long clips. Just say no. I've seen like 15-minute sections up here and there. I've seen some pretty long clips. Shame. Uh, there's one, one cop named Herc, who's sort of like a bulldog of a cop, a bald guy. Um, he's in it, and he plays one of the bodyguards, and he's sort of like... The dumb bulldog bodyguard mm-hmm. comic relief. And so he's talking to the kid. Oh, the kid's also apparently brilliant and listens to Bach. Again, not really relevant to anything, but just because it wants to be a different type of derivative Liam Neeson action movie. Uh, but <laughs> he says to the kid, the bodyguard, he's like, hey, I need your help with my fantasy football lineup. And he's like, and he looks at it, he's like, you've got four Cleveland Browns on, on your team. And he's like, what's a man without loyalty? And the kid just says, I can't help you, which I like. It was very funny. If you don't understand that joke, the Cleveland Browns are not a good team. I'm glad that the kid knows that, but the guard doesn't. Oh, he does, but he's loyal. He's a homer. Don't be a homer when you're picking your fantasy lineup. Your team sucks. Homer Simpson is bad at football. That is something that has been displayed on the show multiple times. He is a cartoon character, and they don't allow those. I mean, there's no rule in the book saying a cartoon dad can't play football. (laughs) All right, who's next? Santa. What? Santa is the next one. Right. Just it is literally. I don't remember. I watched this movie like three weeks ago. Our listeners will know we've been on a short hiatus. Uh, so I don't remember what happened to Santa, but Liam Neeson fucking kills him. The only cute part about that was that it's that death scene is set to 2,000 Miles by the Pretenders, 
which is a Christmas song that Nick only learned about recently. Oh, adores. you know, I, even when you said it now, I mixed it up with um, the 500 Miles song. Yep, different song, better song. <laughs> Much better. <laughs> Substantially. Not good enough to save this film, but it, oh, it was no. clever. Uh, so, Viking is the top guy. He's the shitty dad. And he thinks... I'm going to try to use all these nicknames to describe everything because they don't have real names. And if you think it's annoying, blame this shitty movie. Viking, now his guys are dropping left and right. We lost Speedo and Limbo and Santa. And Viking thinks, of course, that White Bull is behind this. White Bull, of course, being the Native American drug kingpin uh, who yeah. rivals Viking's turf. The only character that should have a nickname, like all of the other characters. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, th- I think it might just be his name. Uh, fair enough. And so Viking naturally takes upon himself to enact revenge and kills Baby Hawk. Again, I have no idea how. I don't remember. That's all I've got in my notes. Who fucking cares? Whatever. <laughs> and so Baby Hawk gets killed by Viking. Meanwhile, we've got some investigatory police on the case. Oh. And they are, um, I don't know if you've seen him in one of your clips, but Captain Rawls from The Wire. Perhaps. Police, police chief, Lieutenant Chief Rawls. He's great on The Wire. Um, oh, I've heard. In this, he's boring. And Fiona from Shameless. Oh, Shameless, the other SH show movie. Emmy Rossum. Emily Rollstaff. Are you finished? Yep, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They are two police trying to figure out what's going on. She's the young rookie. He's the, you know, the old timer. And guess why they're there in this movie? Huh. You, you should know the answer. I, I'm, I'm just handing this to you on a platter. I don't know. because For of no all- fucking reason. Uh, I thought it was because of all the murders that are happening across town. You'd think that would like come into the fold. Like, okay, that'll play a part in this. They'll yeah. uncover and they'll find out about Liam Neeson. And they don't. They're just like boring Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, I guess. They're like, <laughs> they're providing more context for the story, but not participating it in it in any way, shape, or form. Fantastic reference, Max. Thank you. A plus. Um, so they're in it. I love them both as actors. They bring nothing. <laughs> they're just there. They're just there. So now, Liam Neeson, well, he needs a hitman... To, if he's gonna like keep going up the ladder because apparently now he's not just a fucking super spy murder man and he needs to enlist some help to go, to go after Viking. And so he goes to his brother and his brother naturally, as you'd expect, if anyone who knows any truck drivers, um, their brothers are invariably like extremely rich men with mail-order tie bride wives who 
had a long career just being like gangster criminals and are now retired and fun and just like slapping their wife's ass. Um, that's his brother. Hit it right on the head, Max. Brock Wingman Coxman. Oh, he was a former hitman. And so he goes to his brother. He says, hey, I need a hitman. It's like, oh, you want the Eskimo? So Wingman says, go to the Eskimo. Eskimo says, all right, I'll do it. Eskimo, not an Eskimo. He's an African-American man. His nicknames don't appear to be, you know, attached to character in any way, shape, or form. You know that scene in Forrest Gump where, like, where he's saying the nicknames of his army friends, and he's like, that's Houston. He's from Texas. That's, yeah. that's Brooklyn. He's from New York. It, it would be like a continuation of that if it just got stupider and stupider. Yes. We've that's got Eskimo. Yet he's to come. I don't even know who these people are, just looking at the cast. We've got Sly, Shiv, Smoke, Windex, what? Avalanche, Dexter. Sorry, should I have, did I just... Put, put it all out at once? Did I shoot my load on that one? I mean, hey, there's only one way to do it here. Thorpe. That's not, that's like a name, not a irrelevant word or product <laughs> or window cleaning product. Jim Thorpe. Jimmy the Thorpe. And so, oh, perhaps that is a nod to Jim Thorpe's Native American is this uh, blood because that Thorpe is in fact on the side of uh, White Bull's Native American gang. So I'm so confused. <laughs> so what? All right. So Eskimo the hitman. Perfect. Now who who is Eskimo going to kill? Who is he being paid to kill? Uh, I don't. Re- Liam Neeson. No, Liam Neeson doesn't have a nickname and therefore is unkillable. <laughs> If you have a nickname, you die, and that's society. Um, Liam Neeson has hired Eskimo after learning about his services from his brother, Wingman. Perfect, okay. To kill Viking. This is going to be like a game of Simon. I'm going to ask you to repeat the chain each time. Okay. Get ready. I'm not. Eskimo goes to Viking, and he says, Hey, man. This guy said he'd pay me a bunch of money to kill you. And he says, oh, who was this guy? And he said, Coxman. (laughs) And there are a few jokes about the name Coxman because this has a lot of dude jokes. Um, And Viking says, okay. And then he kills the Eskimo because he says, how dare you? You accepted a job and then you backstabbed him. Shame, 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 you are dead. Eskimo's dead. Eskimo. And so each one of these characters, they get introduced, we get like maybe three minutes with them, and then they get murdered. And so now White Bull's all pissed because, because Viking killed Baby Hawk. As as you'd recall. So, in order to appease White Bull, Viking kills one of his guys. Let's say it's Sly. And so he says, look, we killed that guy. 
Oh, no, it wasn't Sly, because Sly's next on my list. Let's say it was Shiv. Viking kills his own man, Shiv. Says, here you go, White Bull. Sorry about the hard feelings. White Bull says, I don't give a shit. So he kills Sly. Sly, of course, being one of Viking's men. And, of course, one of the family stones. That is correct. The only one, I believe. No, he's with the fa- it's it's the family oh. stone in conjunction with Sly. They're a duo. My, I'll put a dollar. Family Stone is a different person. I'll put a dollar in the Sly and the Family Stone jar. Don't worry. <laughs> you know the rules. Uh, then Bone gets killed, Great. doing what I've written down as the Steve Jobs peepee teepee. Something I. <laughs> what? What? You want to you wanna say that again, but slower? The bone gets killed while attempting to do the Steve Jobs pee-pee teepee. Was he having sex with a MacBook? I don't know what that means. No. Oh, you don't know about the Steve Jobs pee-pee teepee? No. Oh, no. well, anyone who's yes. seen Cold Pursuit knows about the Steve Jobs pee-pee teepee. Because there are, when two of the Viking toughs are just standing around, they get talking about, hey, you know what I like to do? Because I'm a real piece of shit. I, when I'm in a hotel, I get fully naked. When, when I wait, I wait until I know that the cleaning lady is coming by and I get fully naked and just lie on top of the bedspread completely naked. And I put, I fold a $20 bill over my penis and like a teepee. And he's like, yeah, Steve Jobs, the PPTP. I guess Steve Jobs did it. I don't remember why I wrote Steve Jobs in my notes. I think they said it because nothing else makes sense. But they definitely called it the PPTP. And so Bone does that. He's expecting the cleaning lady and he gets killed. So, like, I guess that's nice because he seemed like a real scumbag. Um, then we get a fancy hotel where we get like a lobby scene and the entire desk and monitor uh, like behind the desk are just covered in white shag. It's like white shag carpet, but like the computer, the desk, all every surface is white shag. And they redid it last in 1973. That was the height of luxury. (laughs) No, because it didn't have that seventies Brown about it. The you know, has- 70s brown, it used to be just pristine white, but over time. Oh, no. That's so bad. Dirt. What do you think? Poop? What do you think? They pooped everywhere? No, not poop. It's just gross. That hey, white- isn't it crazy how our parents used to just poop on everything and rub it in? No, dirt. Yeah. Come white on. shag is hard that to keep clean. It was Max. That was poop. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't even remember what purpose that hotel served. So there, we get like neat aesthetics very occasionally, but they are useless. They aren't relevant to the characters involved or what's happening. And they didn't even like use that an opportunity to kill someone there and get blood all over the white shag computer. It was just there without, without mention. And they could have like, they could have cut to a close up of the computer with a flashing light saying checking out. Yeah, we should we should remake this. We should we should have been able to punch this script up. <laughs> so um, so then Liam Neeson 
kidnaps Viking's son. Of course. Meanwhile, oh, so did this happen yet? <laughs> um, Viking thinks that because he, he got Eskimo told him that Coxman hired him to kill Viking. Coxman, of course, being the surname of uh, both Wingman, the former hitman, yes, and current piece of shit, and his brother Nels Coxman, our <laughs> heroic truck driver. Um, so he he thinks it's the other Coxman, and so Viking kills the brother. Cool. Um, brother goes along with it to look after to protect his brother gets killed cool so now liam neeson kidnaps the kid's son which is like the reverse taken but he doesn't want to hurt the son he just wants to like irreparably traumatize him for life and put him in extremely deadly situations where tens of nameless toughs die good lord and so he kidnaps the son and then he takes him home and he reads, he's like, I always get read a story before bed, which doesn't really seem on brand with his shitty dad, but like maybe he's reading him Lord of the Flies. I mean, you know, the, the help reads the story. His right. dad. Certainly. And so he reads to him, <laughs> reads to him from like a snowplow industry magazine, oh, which is, that's yeah, so right, that's funny. <laughs> that's a little chuckle. And so now we get a shootout between the Vikings and the Indians. Oh, the Indians were going to kidnap the son. Liam Neeson beats him to the punch. Um, Max, Native Americans, thanks. <sighs> By the time this is published, the Washington Redskins won't be a team. So you're no, correct. Actually, I did, I did see that the, um, the joke team that tours with the Harlem Globetrotters, the Washington Generals, offered to sell their name to them, which I think would be cool. Oh, that's beautiful. And that'd be such a weird, like a basketball team technically becoming a football team, like through a weird like merge sale. That and they're the fucking loser team. Exactly. Oh, I love that. That's part of the punishment. That's fantastic. <laughs> I hope that happens. No. Um, so now we get like this climax this bloodbath and Liam Neeson he's driving the plow into shit while everyone's shooting and then he like gets into like some sort of logging crane tree because they're at some sort of like construction wilderness site yeah you know like picks up a giant tree trunk and like drops it on Viking's car and like doesn't kill him which sucks like what a cool way to kill someone just fucking drop a giant log on him but he's like a little bloody and crawls out of the car it's like no like make his fucking head explode from the giant tree trunk <laughs> just dropped from above if you're gonna do this make it better come on <laughs> and like people die um the people who don't oh one guy escapes in a paraglider what at some point and like flies off and then the only survivors are liam neeson and because native american lives matter white bull who suddenly now he's just a jovial fun guy never mind you know a ruthless murderous drug kingpin 
Like, he's just like, oh, yeah, he's a good guy, I guess. Sure. Because he wasn't the other bad guy. Huh. And they're driving off together in the snowplow. And White Bull says to him, what are you doing? And Liam Neeson says, my job. And And that's the last line of the movie, but not the last thing that happens. Because the last thing that happens is uh, the hang glider guy just happens to be flying overhead and like flies into the plow and just gets fucking brutally murdered. Wow. The end. Oh, okay. One, one cute, clever thing. Then in the credits, um, instead of in order of appearance, it's in order of disappearance. Uh, And it's like, all right, you had a couple cute little things and that was playful and fun, but this wasn't the movie for them. This movie was terrible. I can't believe it has a 69% on Rotten Tomatoes. People well, I don't know about you. Bad. I feel absolutely exhausted after hearing you describe that. Do you want to go see it? Uh, go. Are you, are you champing at the it. bit? I mean, I would watch it maybe, but... Don't. I'm not in any rush. Yeah, no, please don't. And if you do watch it, don't say it's good. Don't fucking gaslight me like 69% of people on Rotten Tomatoes. Sorry, I just took a little drink of water while you were talking there. Yeah, you actually couldn't hear it until you brought it up. That's good. <laughs> What's it time for now, Max? Um, I believe it's time for between two. Two what? <laughs> Ready? Ready for it? Durns. Durns. Uh, you were late. That, you know... Sometimes, sometimes you're late. Sometimes you're late. So uh, what you got in that Selleck banana hammock between those derns? You know, something that a, teach, you can, a teacher can say and somebody you're having sex with can say? You better wrap, you better wrap this up or you're going to miss your next period. <laughs> Is that it? You learned a joke? I did. I learned a joke on Reddit, and that's all I got. No, I have a few things. Um, well, I haven't really been watching much because I now work at a restaurant um, upwards of 44 hours a week. So I'm also commuting partially between the woods and the city until this week. I'm moving. I have to paint my new place. Moral of the story, I'm a very busy man, and I don't have all day. But I did finish The Sopranos, finally. Oh. I saw the end of it. And, uh, you know, it's weird that all the old Italian guys just got naked and had a big, weird, like, Caligula orgy. But I guess if that was the director's vision, that was the Oh, shit. See, mine cut off right at the end. Oh, no, yeah. You you got a... The director's cut, they keep going, and the diner at the end just turns into this big, like, funky orgy thing. Oh, all all those big, fat, just cold-cut sweats kind of guys? All those fat actors that are now dead. (laughs) Just a good good old-fashioned pig pile? Oh, no. (laughs) Welcome to the bear cave. (laughs) I do have to say two things. Excuse me, a prosciutto pile? 
the scene where um, Vito is at the gay bar and he's wearing like the leather thing and he's dancing, that's my favorite gif from the entire series. Of course. And of course, how they say the word whore. Are you familiar? Whore? Whore? He was a whore, a whore. Nick, I'm from Long Island. I know how to say whore. I had never heard it like that before I started watching Sopranos. It is, it fills me with such confusion and delight every time I hear it. Do you not have uncles? I thought that's like, you learned that from uncles. I don't have uncles from where your uncles are from. That'll do it. Um, Let's see, what else is going on? Oh, at my new job, I learned that when you, in a kitchen, like in a real kitchen, when you call some, like the head of the kitchen chef, you're actually calling him an asshole. Oh? I didn't know. Apparently, like, when you say, like, yes, chef, you're saying, calling them an asshole. And I didn't know that. See, I don't, I don't think that's I true. Think, I think it is, like, within the kitchen. Like, the... the okay, so, so here's the next lesson Nick's, Nick is going to learn about people who work in restaurant kitchens, is they lie so much. Are you telling me they lie? They lie. They're hopped up on amphetamines and they lie through their teeth. Joe is a very and one nice of their man. dads stole my fucking sunglasses. What are you even talking about? He knows what he did. This sounds like you have a specific grudge against one man. No, well, one I, I do think your your chef means chief. I don't know. It doesn't mean asshole. Well, I don't care, Max. I just, I just wanted to tell my little story right. and eat my sandwich. Nick's even... lies from the back room. Lies from... That's my next podcast. It's our new, new segment here on Dern. Uh, let's see. I started reading that book you made me buy. It's pretty good. Is it? Yeah. Tales of the City. So Who's it by? Um, I actually have the Wikipedia up right here. It's by Armistead... Malpin? I say like Malpan, but I don't know. Yeah, you don't know. So shut your goddamn mouth, Max. Excuse me. We both lied today. How about pretty good? All right. And yeah, you know it's pretty good. I'm I only am like three or four of the increments in, but I definitely like it. Like it's a very open-ended style, and it's just kind of like little peeks into the lives of these people. Vignettes. Any fun ones you'd like to share? Uh, it's been, it was like a few days ago when I did the few that I did, so I don't quite remember them, but you know, it's, it's fun. I told Nick to buy a book and he hates it. No, I do. I do like it. No, I do hate it, but I'm going to read <laughs> out of pure spite. Also, a little thing I'd like to bring up because I'm going to talk about film school on Little Dern. Um, have I ever talked about clanfrontation here? No. Have I ever talked about my beef with, um, what's his face? Um, that director who made, um, Do the Right Thing? Spike Lee. Spike Lee, yes. Have I ever talked about my beef with Spike Lee? This is a proud boy moment, isn't it? This is not a proud boy moment. This is a, this is a reparation. No, that's not the right word. Sorry. This is a credit where credit is due kind of thing. (laughs) So picture it. The year is 2000 and... I'd say 16. I am in a small film class in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania at Northampton Community College, and I pitch my idea for a movie. And this movie follows very closely the story of the black cop who infiltrated the Klan and got, like, justice. Like, got the dragon, like, arrested. Whatever happened, I don't know. 
And I, I pitched a story based on this and it was called Clanfrontation. Not one month later, uh, Mr. Spike Lee announced he was making the k k k Klansman movie, which is about the same story. Was yours a joint? It was not a joint, but it could have been. That... And I actually, I wound up not making it because of budget concerns. <laughs> being that I had no budget. <laughs> ah. But yeah, I think Spike Lee stole my movie idea. He turned it into a joint. You know, it, it wasn't a very big classroom, but he could have been in the back corner hiding. He's a famously small man. He is a short guy, Hall of Fame. Spike you think Lee I would have noticed sure. him in his purple suit, but I guess not. Hey, it might have been a Knicks jersey. It might have been. I do like when he wears this little Prince outfit, though. It's like a purple suit with a little purple hat. Yeah. He's a little, cute little so, man. So, moral of the story, I like Spike Lee, but I'm still convinced he was there and he took my idea, kind of. All right, that's fair. Anyway, yeah, that's all I got. What, what's, up, what's up all up in your durns this week? Uh, well, last night I watched, I don't know if you've heard of this, Hamilton. Oh, you that, mean Broadway hit spectacular that I have seen. On Broadway hit spectacular. Broadway. Really? I saw it in the comfort of my home for free because my roommate kicked in the seven bucks for uh, Disney+. Plus. I saw it in the upper balcony of a cramped theater. Yeah, did you get the original cast? No, it was... Oh, see, I did. I think it was last winter. I don't remember exactly when it was. But I did get to see... Um, oh, man, I'm going to find his name. He is a very good Broadway actor. He is famous for playing the genie in Aladdin on Broadway for quite a few years. Oh. He played the um, Lafayette-Jefferson dash, dash, uh, role. Thomas Jefferson, yes. yeah. Very good. His name is James Monroe Englehart. Oh, he's a, he's a large James Monroe isn't in the in the larger. Play. He's bald and he has fantastic range. And okay. when he when he entered as Jefferson, like when Jefferson enters, he entered and then he paused for a he like paused for applause as you do, and then he entered some more, and then he paused again. He's like more. I want. I need more. Or I'm not performing. It was just <laughs> such like a such like a big Broadway personality. I love. Yeah, him. I like it. Um, Hamilton. Yeah, what'd you think? So, the, the create, its existence is incredible. It is. It is, it is very apparent right off the jump that it's like, oh, the just absolute absurd level of talent to conceive of this, to write this, to choreograph it. I loved the way that, um, the way people are in and out of scenes that it was, entirely musical and they'd sort of they'd like there's the one where they rewound time and they did all these very clever the duel it's like the bullet slowly traveling these cool um very creative use of the medium that i had never seen anything quite like it before and i loved that and you know the lyricism it, it's absolute fucking poetry it's so layered it's so deep um it's it's a miracle to believe that like all the actors involved were able to get on the same page to even do this together. It is masterfully done. That said. Yes. Why was this about Alexander Hamilton? Well, um, I can tell you. I mean, I know why. He read the fucking book and was like, here we go. Why do we ask? Like, what? So in my, I assumed going into it, knowing 
only a, a small number of things about it. I knew that it was a massive hit, a, yes. an absolute cultural touchstone. I knew it was about Alexander Hamilton and other family founding fathers. And I knew that uh, the roles were played largely by um, black people and people of color. And so I assumed given all that, that it would be making some sort of, and I, I definitely heard at least when it first came out that it was this strong statement on race and the use of rap music to, you know, the juxtaposition was like a real, was really the, the meat of this. And that I did not find to be the case at all. It didn't seem relevant to the story and it didn't, nor was it an especially interesting story about Alexander Hamilton. That man has a very interesting life and is a notable life worthy of many biographies. I happen to think he's a piece of shit, but... I mean, no, yeah, he is a very um, problematic man. But a, a certainly massively important and interesting figure. Um, but that wasn't, that had nothing to do with what blew me away with this play it was like oh this could have been about anything and done this way i loved it and i feel like the fact that it was about alexander hamilton was really only testament to that that it's like i want i want to see this same exact bring this energy into your own story into a story that like is supported by this medium like if you want to tell because you can't tell a nuance you can't have a nuanced biography in a two and a half hour play Alexander Hamilton's biography must be nuanced for it to be significant. Otherwise, it's just like, oh, yeah, here's a guy. Um, and then, you know, they fold it in. It wasn't like, oh, he's just good, good, good. It wasn't that. Um, but at, there was nothing compelling to me about what was compelling to me had nothing to do with Alexander Hamilton. It had everything to do with the show and how it was done. And as for like the race, it wasn't, you know, if it was more about the role black people played during the revolution, if it was about slavery during that time or the founding fathers views towards it, which it got like, I think a couple lines, but it, that wasn't the focus in the least. So it didn't seem to me it was like he came up with this amazing style and ability to create something like this. And then that was just what was chosen to like put it into. And yeah, songs were great, but not because they were about Alexander Hamilton. Scenes were great, not because it was Hamilton and Burr. Like it didn't, and maybe people feel differently because they know this is, you know, beloved for so many reasons. But yeah, like, do tell us your own story and I'd probably just absolutely love it. I'd be fascinated to see what kind of story Lin-Manuel Miranda might create. And I just found out he has a play that I think he wrote that maybe I should check out. Are you referring to In the Heights? Yes. Okay, so I have a few things to say. I'll try to keep this succinct. First of all, in the Heights, which is a more personally autobiographical tale to his life, he has been on record saying that he considers Hamilton more autobiographical to him than In the Heights, which is literally an autobiography. Okay. Literally, literally not fully, but like more 
culturally and like location wise based around his actual life. Yeah. As far as like race in Hamilton, I feel like it has a lot to do with he was pretty much one of the first biracial immigrants to have any say in United States government or real pull for like the first hundred years or so. Right. That is true. And like, it kind of goes into the fact that they're, they're recasting every famously problematic white founding father as a black character. So I feel like when I think about it, I think about that a lot, that it's, it's kind of like rewriting it with those people. And then there are like the funny little lines where it's like immigrants, we get the jobs done. And like when they talk about slavery briefly here and there and like the first black battalion and all that stuff. But I I, I guess I think, and maybe it's just, you know, I have strong feelings about this country and broad issues, the founding of it, et cetera. Um, It, it seems that like I agree and that's cool but it seems very undercut when you're telling the st- what is a story of one man's just ability to be the guy. It's like, it's like making a fucking Steve Jobs movie. And it's like, well, it, it was because he was just so determined that he was able to pull himself up by his bootstraps. And I it's mean- like, if you're gonna tell... It's like... The... I don't think it's good enough to have only that be really the only thing about race is like, Oh, they're played by minorities now. And the style obviously is like takes from black culture in such huge ways. But again, what does that have to do with Alexander Hamilton? What does that have to do with the founding fathers? Like all it, it gives us the space to ask those questions, but doesn't say much on its own, at least as I found. I mean, I think it kind of plays into the same realm of like having more African-American superheroes. Like that gives people the option to see themselves in media. Like, whereas you could not see yourself as a black president until 2008. If you saw Hamilton, you could see like the founders of this country being like you in that way. Sure, but it's not like this is the first play with black people in it. I mean, yeah, there's so many great It's the first play where like, you know, famous names of like, George Washington and Aaron Burr, maybe not that one, but like Thomas Jefferson, like people with like natural hair and stuff. Just like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, clever, interesting. But yeah, like, isn't that maybe part of the problem that like the only way, right? It took that gimmick and I don't think it's Lin-Manuel Miranda's fault in any way. It's more theater and our culture as a whole, but it took that gimmick to make this successful, right? If this were a different musical about, let's say, his upbringing, right? There's a reason I couldn't even think of the name of that other one, because people don't know about it. Um, What do you mean? People know about In the Heights. In the Heights? Yeah, no one knows about that. Yes, everybody does. Well, I'm a guy who doesn't, like, I know what Hamilton is only because it's Hamilton. Well, you're not a theater kid. That is and true. Be- before we move on, because I think we could probably talk about Hamilton for literally three days, I do have to say, I, I just, I don't know. I understand what you're saying with him. Like, it could be a story about anybody and, like, why choose him? I just feel like for the time he was alive, he just had so much lasting influence. Like, even just little stuff. Like, he founded the New York Post, and he founded <laughs> the U.S. Treasury, and, like, Basically, the reason we have the economic system we do today, not that it's great, 
is because of him and just like all this stuff like i feel like stop giving me more reasons to i know he's like that one push pin where like if you took him out of history it would be so drastically changed that's fair that's true like that's what i think about when i think about it being his story and like all the people he influenced and like he i don't know but i never that but was that what it was about I think so. I mean, was it like there was some? It got into the bank stuff and, and sort of if you, federalist when, versus anti-federalist, but it wasn't about his legacy. Yeah, I mean, no. The whole the whole point is like you um, you have no control who lives, who dies, who tells your story. Like he wrote this so that people would know what Alexander Hamilton did. Because I can honestly say I don't even remember hearing his name before. Like it be, it started at the public theater like the New York Public Theater and then went through to Broadway. Okay. Like yeah, I would I, mean, I knew a bit about Hamilton. His but, story. Like any um, of that Reynolds pamphlet, all the dumb stuff he did, all the good stuff he did. Right. I mean, interesting story. Lived a yeah. fascinating life. Um, but before we fully move on, <laughs> um, if you're, if I were to make a, because I got to shoehorn some leftist shit in here. Oh, if I was going to um, make a play, if I wanted people to know about the life and vision of one founding father, uh, it would be none other than Thomas Paine who wrote Common Sense, which is attributed as much as any other, more important than any doc, other document in terms of bringing about the mood of revolution. Um, and he was basically written out by the rest of the founding fathers because he was too far left. He was, he advocated for a universal basic income at a time when that was just, I think he might've been the first person to think of it. Um, First notable one, he was absolutely um, the only one up there who would fall under like an anti-capitalist umbrella and certainly would have, it was before the leftist movements of the 1800s really took off, off, off obviously. Um, but that's who he was. And he was, would, could have left a much, much better impact on our country um, were it not for people like Alexander Hamilton, who can go fuck himself. I'm glad he died. But, you know, in all fairness, I learned about um, Thomas Paine in high school. You learned about Alexander Hamilton? No, I mean, like, like he's on the ten, baby. He is, but like, I just don't like. I think, like, if anything, I was like, oh yeah, he Federalist Papers, he helped, he right. founded the blah blah blah. Like, I like all the big stuff. And one last last thing, and then we're actually moving on, and you're not allowed to say anything I'll else. Think of another one. If you're like super horny for musicals and history at an intersection, go watch 1776. Oh hell yeah! It is. It was. Until Hamilton came out, it was my favorite historical musical, hands down, absolutely great. Yeah. It's super like old Broadway, like gay, fantastic. And it's like all about the writing of the independence, the declaration of declaration. Yeah, with Mr. Feeney. Yes, I was just about to say that. Uh, it's so good. Is he Thomas Jefferson? No, he's John Adams, I think. John yeah. Adams, yes. And yeah, go watch that. There's I, I want to see it again. There's one part where Thomas Jefferson's basically like, I don't want the one to write it because I'm horny and I want to see my wife. And John Adams says, you don't think I'm not horny? And everybody gasps and they're like, you, John. (laughs) It's such a funny like look at history and how John Adams was just such an asshole and nobody thought he was human. (laughs) Anyway. 
both great things. Go watch them. Have opinions. Yeah, I make no mistake. I I did really enjoy Hamilton. Alrighty, we just spent thirty minutes on your dirt. Is there anything else in there before we move on? Um, no. I'll, I'll <laughs> cut it off right there. We lanced your turn for the week. <laughs> That's it. Oh, right. I suppose brings us into our little Dern. Dern. Little Dern. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to NPR's Little Dern. This week, we have a lovely short film from a year that I don't have on hand right now. One minute. Can you do car talk? I have never listened to car talk. Car talk is the best program on NPR. I mean, I don't, I don't know dick about cars and that's part of why. Okay. Speaking of not knowing dick about things, this movie came out in 2014. What is it? It is called nine kisses. It is a short film featuring 18 stars who were popular in 2014. Many of them still are. And it's just them having little like meet cutes and kissing and then, in some of them they part ways and some of them they don't it gives me very big like um, the woman who made this her name was is elaine constantine she is mostly an artist she's done a lot of exhibitions a lot of photography and it definitely gives me big like moma vibes like this seems like a thing you would watch in like a small black box theater at that museum cool and it's just like each of them is a little different some of them are definitely funnier some of them are more serious some of them are some of them are male on male, female on female, a mixed couple, and it's just it's very interesting to watch. There's like, I I don't know where to go from this. Um, there's very little setting. It's mostly like like a park bench, for example, with a tree or two, and then just like black and black and black. And there's a lot of good diegetic sound, which if you went to film school like I did, you would know means sound that you hear that you that presumably is happening in the world and the actors can also hear it can i turn my air conditioner back on as sort of a an no, example you, no, you can't do that right. um if you want if you want a good example if you've ever seen the big lebowski he's taking his shirt off oh you look like robin williams under there you know wow. what i'm working with anyway um if you've ever watched the big lebowski all of the music in the big lebowski is diegetic because you can the source is within the world I thought it was like aliens and volcanoes. Okay, Max. Anyway, so it's That's too good to joke not to make twice. It's basically just a bunch of famous people kissing. Um, the first one is Benedict Cumberbatch and Reese Witherspoon, I think. And they're just like, they're at a party and they're running and they kiss and then like car headlights turn on and they turn to look and then it's over. There's very little speaking in any of these. Um, the next one features Laura Dern and Steve Martin, and it is pretty funny. It's Steve Martin is dressed, you know, like Steve Martin dresses, kind of like business casual. Laura Dern has a pink dress on, and they're in a park, and they walk towards a bench, and they sit down, and they awkwardly look at each other, and then they just, like, comedically, like, tongue slam, start making out. <laughs> and Steve Martin, like, picks her up, and he's, like, wrapped around her, and he has her down, and they're, like, kissing on the bench. And then you hear, like, kids laughing like in a car's headlights come on and then they just like slowly return to their city positions and look at each other and it's over. Sounds pretty hot. It's pretty funny. Um, I'd say there's two that I enjoyed the most of the nine. The first one is Rosario Dawson and Jenny Slate. 
Okay. And they're in the back of a car and you hear in the background like New Year's Eve countdown and they have a very intimate queer kiss. And then they fall and they're laughing all over each other. And I like that one because it's very relatable. Like it's a, it's such a good, like it wasn't even acting. Like they just had a good kiss and it was so well captured. And then we have my favorite, absolute favorite, hands down, is John Lithgow and Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore? Julianne Moore, sorry. Um, oh. It's her in like a dress, him in like a suit with no tie, and they're, they're at like a club and there's no setting. It's just like lights flashing and loud electric music and they're both like awkwardly dancing and John Lithgow is far in the background and then he slowly works his way up and he like kisses her hand and they do a little dancing together and they're starting to vibe and then they kiss and they leave and that's it. Awesome. It's just so funny how simple and wonderful it is. But yeah, this was a neat little art project and I was a, I was a big fan. It's definitely a fun thing to watch. Like, of the little Durns I've seen, this is definitely in my top five. And I guess, uh, yeah. I mean, there's really not much else to say about it. And you know what I learned from Laura Dern? Sometimes you have to kiss Steve Martin on the mouth. Sometimes you get to. You get to. As a reward. As a little treat, you can have a little bit of Steve Martin. (laughs) Steve Martin's tongue. Mm, Steve. (laughs) Oh, man. I feel I feel bad that my little Dern was so... Yeah, like, should we dorms. talk about Hamilton some more? Um, oh, there is something else I can talk about. So, um, I almost said Rosario Dawson again. Um, Elaine Constantine only has one other film credit, and it is a movie from also 2014 called Northern Soul, and actually it looks really, really good. For two reasons it has steve coogan in it the britishman so that's like a that's a check in the right direction and let me just read you the short um synopsis set in 1974 an authentic and uplifting tale of two friends whose horizons are opened by the discovery of black american soul music and it takes place in london i believe or like europe somewhere i don't know it just sounds like a real like a fun movie like um like a pirate radio but better because mm-hmm. it's like not just a soul goofy, music goofy goofy fun fun <laughs> yes so yeah it also it seems like an odd choice for her considering she's mostly like an artist but hey it's probably a good movie but yeah um that's pretty much all i got some kissing some some snogging one of them has um oh that guy who plays the thing in the thing i think he's in harry potter I thought that was like uh, practical effects. Um, no, Timothy Spall. If you know who that is, I don't. I think he's the guy that played the Rat Man in Harry Potter. Oh, Scabbers. Uh, that's it. Talking about Scabbers. Also, that woman who was in that movie you didn't like, Laura Dern. No, no, no. The um, she played the fake trans boy. Um, Kristen Stewart. Yes. She's in one where, like, they're at a concert, presumably, and who is her co-star? Chadwick Bozeman? I think I've heard that name. I don't recognize his face, but I know I know him. He's on a stage, and he's, like, strumming, and you hear a crowd, and you see, like, it keeps cutting to this very beautiful shot of her, like, wearing... 
I think the clothes in this are also very good. Like every, all the clothes are very simple, but like the way the light hits them, the lighting, it, it's chef kiss, modern art, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, Chadwick Boseman, I believe I've been, what did I see him in? You know, oh, Black Panther, duh. Oh, yeah. I knew it was one of those like recent films like that. But yeah, um, it keeps cutting the shot of her and like her eye, she's like mesmerized and she's smiling and like you see like concert lights like slowly, almost slow motion flashing. And then she runs up and tackles him and kisses him. And clearly the implication is that like he's the star, she's a fan and she's like running on stage to kiss him. So it's a little weird like that, but it's also neat to see it so deconstructed. That's kind of fun, yeah. I mean, all of these are very like, there's one where like two people are practicing boxing and then they kiss. The one with Scabbers, they're like, they're very drunk. Like the guy who plays Scabbers takes a sip out of a cup and then just drops it. Oh, I love that move. And then they- all been there. And then they're down and they're like, they're um, arm wrestling and it takes him like two tries to get his arm lined up right, which he's playing drunk very well. If he is drunk, I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) And then they arm wrestle and then they just kiss. But yeah, it's a good, good kissing time. Good. What was it called? It was called um, Nine Kisses. You can find it on the New York Times website or on the New York Times YouTube for free. It's only just under nine minutes. And yeah, it's just a lot of beautiful people kissing, which, hey, sometimes you need that. Yeah. Talking about you, John Lithgow. My God. I'm just, I'm looking at the screen grabs of them dancing at the club and it's just so fun. (laughs) They just look like older parents, like having a great time. Good for him. Yeah. John Lithgow, wherever you are, keep on doing it. R.I.P. No, actually, R.I.P. Charlie Daniels. R.I.P. Charlie Daniels. He was on King of the Hill once. That makes sense. He he asked, um, they were at a country music festival, and he asked if he could cut in line in front of Hank, and Hank was like, you're Charlie Daniels, of course you can. And then Charlie Daniels was like, would you like a drink, son? And... He says, I'll take a Coke. And Charlie Daniel says, you heard the man. He wants a Coke. And then he turns back around and says, that'll be eight bucks, Slim. <laughs> it's funny because he's cheap. Anyway, so yeah, that's... So yeah, he's dead. He's dead now. That's fun. So yeah, Derns. Derns are done. What's, what are we going to close on? When are you going to put clothes on? <laughs> as soon as I can turn my air conditioner back on. That's fair. It's a hot one. Real dog days of summer here in Philadelphia. It really is the day from that movie, um, Do the Right Thing by famous beef with this podcaster, Spike Lee. Yep. I hope he doesn't hear this. I feel like he'd be mad. No, he'd be, I feel like he'd respect it. I know. It was a good movie, though. You know, he, he doesn't hold it. Better that. than I would have with my budget of negative $4. <laughs> Oh yeah, but yeah, we're we're alive. We're well for the most part. Oh, I'm reading a good book. I forgot to say. Oh well, too bad you blew all your time on Hamilton talk. Yep. Well, what is it, Max? We're already what two hours in? <laughs> in dubious battle by John Steinbeck. Ah. Which where the Steinbecks, if anyone's familiar with his work, can come in basically two flavors. Um, one is like a giant fucking tome like Grapes of Wrath or East of Eden. And the other is like uh, a much, like a regular book. <laughs> you know, I thought you were, I thought when you said two flavors, you were going to say um, 
tits and ass, but I'm glad you went with the more sophisticated tome or regular book. The two flavors are um, Southern California to Baja California and like Northern California are are the two actual flavors of Steinbeck. You got your Twinkies, you got your Ding Dongs, you got your country, your, um, wait, you got your trailer park Dern, you got your California California mom mom Dern. And like occasionally Colorado mom Dern, but it doesn't last long. So she disappears. So one last, one little flashback to our big Dern. What happened to her exactly? I think I lost him. Oh, she just leaves. Yeah. Like act one. She's like, I'm grieving. And you're just like, maybe turning into like a revenge monster. You're killing people. Maybe this will have consequences for you, Nels. But didn't. But certainly not. Turns out if you're a white man, you could just do whatever you want. Turns out, if you're a Native American drug kingpin, you get off easy. I bet he does get off easy. You don't even have to touch it and it explodes. <laughs> Goodbye. This has been a very... Wait, wait, wait. wait, 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 wait <laughs> Max, we have more things we need to talk about. Oh, that was such a good thing to end on. Oh, uh, can you imagine? Um, okay, so you know what I get to watch next week? You seem very excited. I am because I've been wanting to watch this and I just, I never got to it, but now I have a reason I need to. The Master. Oh, shit. I didn't even know she was in that. Famous Scientology ribbing film starring none other than Philip Seymour Hoffman. No, that movie's going to have a lot of diagenetics. I am very excited. It's, it's one of the Philip Seymour Hoffman movies I have not seen. So it's, it's, it's fantastic. And you get to watch a short film that I did not research at all called The Monday Before Thanksgiving. The Monday Before Thanksgiving. I have no idea what it's about, but it sure does exist. I feel like that, you know, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving is certainly, you know, evokes feeling. The Monday, however. I mean, the Monday, yes. Oh, so yeah, you I don't know who went. directed this movie. Is it? Is it David Lynch? No, it's fantastically better than David Lynch. Um, is it Courtney Cox? Oh, is it? Yes. Oh, okay. I was gonna, my next guess was Jodie Foster. Because she directed another famous movie about pre-Thanksgiving days. Oh, man. I hope I can watch this. I can find this Courtney Cox joint. Courtney Cox does love a good joint. Mm-hmm. So on this... So now are we just going to keep rambling until we get a good... Until we get something funny. Get a good cut. Well, uh, on this, the, the twilight moments of our 18th episode... I don't know, man. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going somewhere. Nah, I was kind of, a little part of me was hoping you were just going to cut it right after like three seconds of silence, but. Yeah, you're, you're, you work that, uh, that editing magic. Yeah. I mean, we could just keep all this. We could scrap the whole episode. You know what? Let's just pause right here. We'll be right back. We're going to, we're going to discuss something. Keep listening. Yeah!